Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are somehow both absolute nightmares. I am your host, Laura Klein. Please be advised that this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, so pretty much like most podcasts. And uh, my guest today is Julia Dubari. Um, Julia is a UX designer and educator who has turned UX recruiter. So we are going today to be talking about um, recruiting in general, what it's like being a recruiter, uh, all sorts of a, a few little recruiter problems, maybe, and um, you know, just basically what life is like, uh, you know, when you're in that external recruiting firm, and what life might be like if you're a candidate and interacting with somebody like Julia. So. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. It's a great honor. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, we'll see about we'll see about honor. <laughs> but it is it is lovely to have you here. We of course have known each other for quite some time now. So uh, I I know that you always have smart things to say about UX in general, and I'm very excited to hear your take on uh on what it's like trying to get jobs for people like us. Um, let's uh let's jump into it. Um. Tell me, I, I'm sort of curious because as a hiring manager, I know what I talk to my recruiters about, um, but you talk to way more hiring managers than just me. What, what are we like as a group? What, what are we asking for? What are people actually looking for out there? Yeah, yeah. And that's a really good point or question because that's why I took this job because I knew a few hiring managers and I was myself and I knew what we were like, but as a group, what, what is out there? Um, What are we doing to people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there's definitely a, um, a bit of a disconnect between um, what the hiring managers want and like what is out there is terms of skills and um, pay unless, you know, leaving out big tech companies, but, you know, other companies as far as like what UX people make is interesting conundrum. Um, this is so diplomatic. <laughs> I feel like, let's, you know, you can just jump in and we, we don't have to mention any company names. But uh, yeah. So what is that gap? What are they looking for versus what's actually out there? Um yeah, so it's interesting. So as a recruiter, I, you know, I just learned these skills, but I was told don't tell the candidate like what the pay range is, ask them what they want to make. Oof. And then you can adjust the conversation based on what they say. Um, not everyone tells me um, what they want to make. And sometimes it's a little more difficult conversation. But um, I ask and, you know, I, I'm getting an average of um, 200,000 for like senior UXers. And I go back to the company and they're like, oh, well, we can only do like 150, 160. Um, really? Yeah. And are these for remote roles or are they for like, you in know. Are- person. In person. Which has also been a struggle where I'm surprised that hiring managers are like asking people to come into the office um, I have a lot of roles that are in person or hybrid probably 70% of my roles are in person or hybrid really and so and 
And these are in like major metropolitan major areas. Metropolitan. This isn't like Fargo, North Dakota. Apologies to my listener in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> if there is one. Yeah. Major metropolitan of tech. And we yeah. did actually have one where they were diehard, must be in office five days a week in Kansas City. <laughs> and it took us like months, months to find someone because, yeah, who wants to go in the office and how many UX people are in Kansas City? Like and how are, how are they defining senior designer in that well, particular case? So I am personally a bit of a snob as far as like what senior means. But I'm getting tons of roles where senior means four or more years experience. Okay. So that's maybe, yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, for those of us who have been in the industry for 20, 25 years, like I have, you know, that's, um, I, I, I don't know what that makes me. Geriatric, I guess. Uh, I'm the same, you know, been in the industry the same Dead. time. And so, yeah. So what am I like? I don't even fit into senior. I'm like, way past senior. We're, we're the immortal undead, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> we're just the vampires of UX. Um, so yeah, I find that okay. but then the quote unquote, which I'm sure lots of candidates have seen junior is like two to four. So like, where's the mid-level? No mid-level. There's no such thing. You just jump straight from intern to director, I guess. That's yeah. Yeah. That's maybe not, are, are these, are these a particular type of company? Like are these large orgs or small? Cause I mean, I, I work at a, you know, larger organ, I mean, not, not enormous, but you know, um, big enough that we have good UX maturity and we certainly don't have that kind of thing. Although sometimes senior is, you know, defined as maybe five or six years. So it's not, you know, you don't have to be here 20 years to get it. We, I, you know, it's fair, but we also have much, many levels above senior. Yeah. I mean, as far as like our recruiting firm, we have a huge mix of roles in industries and sizes of companies. And definitely like you're saying, the large companies are definitely like, okay, it's like seven years maybe for senior, but like the smaller companies, it's like four or five. There's a little title inflation there. Yeah. yeah. But, but it sounds like maybe not with the pay inflation. So no, no, yeah. no, that has been tricky because we've had some folks, um, I've, I've, I've run into folks who are like, oh, I need the senior title. And I'm like, well, okay, but your senior is, you know, are like strong mid-level. <laughs> like in terms of everything, like pay experience. That's, and again, we have like three levels above that. So yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, so what are, what kinds of skills are they looking for? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, the way I word skills, I find out is different than the way a hiring managers I talk to, they talk in terms of deliverables and I guess to me, those aren't the same as skills. And so they'll give me a list of like, oh, they need these deliverables. Um, like they need to I, be able to make wireframes or mocks yeah, wire or yeah, and Figma. Mocks and prototypes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Every single company has said Figma um, as mm -hmm. far as like a tool. Um, so, you know, um, poor sketch, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know? But yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, all the soft skills you're used to hearing about um, presenting, persuasiveness. Um, one thing I'm finding interesting for UX research roles, I'm getting asked a lot from hiring managers for portfolios for UX researchers. 
Um, what does a portfolio look like for a successful researcher? Because I mean, I think that's, I think it's fair. I think actually at this point, I feel like doing a portfolio review of just like your previous work is a reasonable way to walk people through your experience. You know, if you've worked on products before, I think product managers should probably be doing stuff like that. Um, but uh, what what kinds of portfolio like, are they looking for? Visual stuff from researchers. Um, I mean, visual, more like a research this, deck. Yeah, like a presentation that you might Got have it. given to stakeholders. Um, an outline of like why you chose the methods you did, and then the results of those methods. And like a lot, I get asked a lot. Well, how did that influence the actual design or the outcome mm-hmm. of the product? And so they really want to see that. So I guess more storytelling doesn't have to be yeah like visuals, but mm-hmm. like they really want to know actionable steps that influence the design and the outcome of the product. I think that's reasonable. I mean, I think that's, that's probably, you know, honestly, if you're a, a researcher and like, those are good, like those are probably skills you have anyway. You've probably had to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, although I, I think back to the early 2000s and uh, we, we weren't, we weren't making decks so much as we were yeah. writing 20 page research reports. Probably don't want to see that. Um, I'm happy to walk you through one of those. Yeah. A little different, a little different skill, but uh, yeah. I, I think that's a totally reasonable, a totally reasonable thing to, to ask from, uh, from researchers. Cause you know, like I said, that's what they do. That's, that's a big part of their job is influencing the product through storytelling. Yep. yep. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. What about, um, how are they defining UX designer when they're looking at designers, these folks? Yeah, so that's really interesting. Um, as someone who's, I'm sorry to say a diehard UX generalist who refuses to specialize, um, I'm getting, so the smaller companies want the UX generalists, but like, man, once you get over like 400 people, they want that specialist and like, no, you don't need to do any UX research. Like you just do like wireframes and site maps and user task flows. And then, um, but many, many, many of the roles want you to do visual design as well as part of UX design. Um, I actually think as a journalist, it all goes together, but it's like they break up research and then UX design and visual design as UX design. Interesting. So they, it really very much is also a visual design role in many cases because yeah. some companies don't, do, I mean, companies generally that have uh, you know, like good design systems, like they are much less concerned about, you know, your typography choices because you will not be making them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're in that kind of weird middle ground where there's not a mature design system, um, they may not have like also, they don't want to have a, a third, you know, like the, the visual designer who just takes things and, and you know, yeah. makes that an improvement. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's, it is, I guess that's not that surprising. I've, I've heard that from a lot of folks that there's, there is more specialization and, uh, yeah, people like you and me who are like, no, we do the whole thing. Uh, maybe less. Well, the funny thing is I always did the whole thing except for visual design. So that was always an interesting sell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, one thing I want to do actually, um, you know, we've been kind of talking at this general level about like, you know, what the hiring managers are looking for, what people are asking you for. Um, for folks who are maybe either new to hiring or who are candidates and have never sort of seen on the other side of the curtain, um, one of the things I found when I started working in because yeah, I've done recruiting tech for several years now. Um, a lot of jargon, a lot yes. of different specializations within recruiting. And sometimes I think candidates may not know 
who they're talking to and what they should be talking about, and they get very confused. And so let's just define some terms, if you will. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this by saying uh, I always encourage people, like, be nice to everybody. Like, they're helping you get jobs. Like, even if we're going to talk about some people who maybe, like, don't have any influence over, like, whether you get the job or not, be super nice to those people anyway, because those are often the hardest jobs. <laughs> And these are all these are all hard jobs and they're kind of split in a weird way. So can you talk to me a little bit about sort of like I'm a candidate, I come in, I'm working either with like an external recruiting agency or an internal, you know, recruiting and they're kind of agencies internally, honestly. And sometimes you don't even know the difference. What is a hiring manager versus a recruiter? What is who's doing all the different recruiting parts? What how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like a trifecta, I would say, where the first level is what we call the sourcer. And a sourcer goes on, for example, like LinkedIn Recruiter, or like many other systems, and searches for people's profiles that match what um, the job description is asking for and the hiring manager is asking for. Then they give those profiles to the recruiter the recruiter's job is to reach out to those people and then try and get them on the phone. Um, so that's called a screening call. They're usually 15, 20 minutes. Um, each recruiter sort of has like their own way of doing it. And that like, you know, a big third party um, team or, you know, maybe an in-house recruiter just has a checklist and it's just asking you, like, can you do Figma? Can you do this? And it's just like, check, check, check. I and so these, these, are, these are generally not people who have a lot of UX experience. Correct. Correct. Okay. And then I know for myself, I, you know, treat it more like I would a research interview or I ask more open-ended questions and really try and look for fit. Um, and then after that, um, there's at least on in my company, we have like sort of like account executives who then go to the hiring managers and sort of say, like, these are the people we found that we think you should interview. The hiring manager is um, usually the first person you would interview with if you're a candidate, not always, but usually it's usually a 30 minute, sometimes 45 minute phone call or video chat interview, really understanding like your personality and how you might fit within the team and your general background. The hiring manager, we want to say is like, like you hear that and you say like, oh, they're the final decision maker. That's actually not true. Most of the time when you're decided if you're going to be hired is as a team decision. Um, some companies do it a different way where it like has to be unanimous and everyone says yes to this person. Sometimes the hiring manager gets more weight because it'll be like it's their team that's being hired mm -hmm. for. Um, and there's lots of, you know, some people do it more scientifically as a team where they like have specific questions and answers and then weight those answers. And then other teams are just like, I like that person. Yeah, let's hire them. <laughs> Um, and everything in between, I think. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I like. I like to think that my process is somewhere in the middle of those two. <laughs> we're not. It's. We're not checking things off a checklist, but also it's not just like I like you. That's those. Boy, is that open for bias? <laughs> yeah. You can say that again. Um, definitely. So. So yeah. So it's like 
maybe a trifecta or I don't know what a fourfecta <laughs> is called. Um, quadfecta. Quadfecta. <laughs> yeah. Um, Doesn't sound good. Yeah. So the sourcers, you know, is using tools such as LinkedIn, searching by keywords that your profile matches like what mm-hmm. the hiring manager and job description is asking for. So the more you fill out your LinkedIn profile, the more chance you'll have of like getting contacted. And are there specific things like, let's, let's, let's be honest. Like, are there, should you just put Figma on there? Like, are there things that people are searching for? Um, yes. Um, okay. And it's really sad. I'll just use LinkedIn recruiter, for mm-hmm. example. And it's not the only tool out there. By any stretch. Um, But, you know, it's certainly one I use every day. Um, So it does keyword search. And then um, you can also search like companies that people are working at or have worked at in the past. Um, Titles. It actually has quite a lot of filters. Um, But it's really LinkedIn recruiter is just a keyword search. So it's it's and it's honestly its search results are pretty crappy like i'm shocked that people spend so much money for a tool that i don't think works very well um like for one example that bothers me is i'm looking for ux people all the time i have a very big network i go into link recruiter linkedin recruiter search for someone no one in my network comes up at all unless like I have to find a filter that would indicate like it's not obvious that it would be like first degree connections, which okay. just shocks me. Like, isn't like that sort of the point of LinkedIn? Yeah, and I feel like you you and I are connected to like most of the senior UX designers. Yeah, so they don't come <laughs> I mean, up at all. like at least half. Yeah, it doesn't come up when I'm in LinkedIn recruiter huh. to actually to search my network. What I do is I go to the commercial like version of LinkedIn. And then I can click view my network in LinkedIn recruiter. Oh, interesting. And so I have to do that and then Although, search that way. In fairness, I guess a lot of sourcers, like you're, you're a little unusual in that you are a source, you, you are doing your own sourcing and you have a huge UX network. Most sourcers wouldn't like most sourcers no. tend to be, you know, a couple of years, like they're recruiters, like they're professional recruiters they don't have a big UX network. Um, I'm actually kind of curious if you have any insight into the kinds of things they search on, given that they maybe don't know how to like read a UX resume and really understand what all the subtleties are, you know, like be like, what does it mean beyond like, Oh, I was a UX designer at, you know, evil core, whatever, like, what? okay. So what did you do? That can be a little hard to tease out from somebody's resume. Like, what are sourcers kind of looking at? What are they searching for? Yeah, so at least at my company, I work hand in hand. Like, I do have a sourcer that I work closely with specifically on UX roles. And so I do work very closely. And I'll be like, I'll say, like, look for these specific phrases. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, keywords and specific phrases. And then, like... One thing that really shocks me is the amount of people who don't have their portfolio on their LinkedIn recruiter or LinkedIn profile, or Mm -hmm. if they do have it, it's password protected. And so like I tell my sourcer if, you know, see if they have a portfolio and then like see if it's password protected. People who don't have their portfolio or it's password protected go on the bottom of our list. 
Oh, that's so hard for folks like me who like, I do not have a public portfolio. Like I'm just never going to have a public portfolio. The stuff that I do, some of it's under, you know, NDA. Some of it is just protected. Some of it, I just, I have no interest in sharing the details of the work that I have done. Like more than happy to walk you through it, but like, it's not visual design. Anything that I put up there is going to have been a team effort. Like, uh, I just, I hate that. I mean, I, I hear you though. And it's a good thing for candidates who are looking for stuff to know that that does put you toward the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely does put you towards the bottom. And um, I mean, I, I literally just had two candidates rejected this morning because their portfolio was password protected and I've been trying to get a hold of them and I couldn't. And so mm. they're just like, sorry, like we're going to pass on these people. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I guess like, like with anything, make it easy. Um, you talked a little bit about, actually, can, can you give me like an example, one example of like one of those phrases or a word that you do oh, search yeah, for? Yeah. Like what what um, are the actual words or phrases that people should? So it's funny. I don't know if it's because I come from a UX background, but for me, like a key phrase is, um, in some way, um, you know, designing for inclusion, designing for accessibility, like, I ask an accessibility question in every one of my screens. Um, that's great. You know, and like, that's really important to me, but I actually have not had a single hiring manager ask me to ask anything about those questions. That um, is also interesting. <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of thinking like, that's great. That really shows that accessibility is becoming more important in the industry. And maybe that's just the subset of people I hang out with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, because I'm just like, how can you be a good UXer if you're not designing with accessibility and inclusion in mind? Um, it's not going to make or break for me whether I pass you on to the hiring manager, but um, it's certainly like I'll prioritize you if you have accessibility experience. But back to some of those phrases, um, I mean, portfolio is definitely one of them. Um Empathy is another one. Um, yeah, or, you know, like I get a lot of design systems roles. So like mm. building a design system, creating a design system. Um, Got it. So something that would be like specific to the role. So if it's a yeah. design system, because yeah, I mean, if building a design system is extremely different from building a e-commerce site, which is extremely right. different from building a, you know, SaaS enterprise product. Um, and it's, you know, as I know you and I have discussed this a lot, and I've talked a lot about this on, on the other podcast, <laughs> you don't have to have done exactly the thing, but it is a very, like, if you've worked mostly on like e-commerce sites, you can't walk into a SaaS enterprise product and think that you're going to be able to apply all of the same stuff that you did before. Like, it's a different way of designing shit. Right. right. <laughs> it yeah. is a it's a different mindset. It's a different set of skills. Yeah. yeah. And so actually, just when you said that made me think of like, so I look for like B to B, B to C, mm -hmm. like those kind of phrases. Um, I have some roles right now that are D to C. So yeah. you know, I look for that. I look for SAS, um, no code, um, internal tools, legacy oh, systems. So if there's a thing that like, like, I, so I love working on internal tools for engineers, 
because I'm a weirdo. I like I've, I don't know that I've, I've I've run into like two or three other people like me who I'm like, okay, dream job, just getting to like optimize systems, working directly with and for engineers. I love them. I get along so well with them. Um, just just works out great. Um, so if that's what I want, like I should be listing like key terms like that on my resume. Yeah. Good to know. Very good to know. I should be hitting that like stork with engineers pretty hard. <laughs> One thing I do find interesting, like with LinkedIn recruiter is it looks at your titles first before looking at mm. the content under the title. So I actually reached out to someone the other day and I felt really bad um, looking for a senior UX designer and they had like four roles and I read the descriptions and it was all like senior UX designer stuff. So I reached out and they're like, no, I, I only want UX manager roles. Ah. And so I was like, okay. And so I actually wrote back and I'm like, here are some things you can do to like make me think like, oh, that's what you were looking for because I didn't see anything on your profile that indicated that that's what that's, you were looking for. Ah, that's really interesting because that makes it so hard for folks who are looking to move into different like I feel like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, and this is really familiar in all areas, like it feels like we're working around the technology. Yes. Right? Like I'm I don't have any experience as a UX. I mean, I do now, but I didn't have any experience. Like I did not have a UX manager title, but I had done a lot of the jobs as UX manager. And like, how do you show up as that if you can't move up into UX management in your existing company for you know whatever? reason like maybe it's too small to have ux managers or maybe they call them something weird or <laughs> who the hell knows or you're at one of those weird places it's like titles don't matter okay but they do um, like how do you how do you even get noticed and make that switch so i feel horrible saying this um please everyone take this with a grain of salt um just put a title um <laughs> Maybe maybe put it in the description, like worked as a UX manager in in the capacity of a UX manager. Yeah, I mean, that works too. Um, One thing I always look at the about portion. Mm -hmm. So if you have that in the first couple of sentences, like I'm totally going to reach out to you. Um, Interesting. Okay. So that's kind of like your cover letter, your your open cover letter. Yeah. So that's me that. But it's funny because LinkedIn, like that doesn't highlight. Um, mm-hmm. like I have to open your profile to see that, but it's something that I always do, although not all recruiters do. Yeah, that's, yeah. And so a lot of this is going to be like your, your mileage may vary if you're working with, you know, if you're working with Julia or you're working with somebody else or an internal person or an external person who are looking for different things, it's tricky. I think the best thing you can do is to, to maximize, you know, including on, on your resume or your LinkedIn profile, what what you are good at and what you actually want to do. Just keep hitting that pretty hard. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I think people off, this is often kind of a big black box to people and they don't really understand um, what happens. Like when you do that whole, I'm going to submit my resume. Mm. (laughs) And then it goes into the, it goes into the black hole and is never heard from again. (laughs) Yes. Yes. What's going on Um, there? What does that actual process look like on the back end? Yeah, so it's a couple, it depends on how you submitted. Um, so like, if you're on LinkedIn, 
there's that easy apply button. You hit easy apply. Um, and then um, I think most of them ask you to like include a resume with that. Um, when I'm in LinkedIn Recruiter, there's um, a tab that says like, um, they call it apply starts. And that's where all those go. Um, I always look at those, but I took a look at some of my colleagues accounts and there were hundreds that had not been looked at hundreds. Um, so that's one thing if you apply and on like a company website, then they either usually have their own applicant tracking system that is not LinkedIn or, um, they have some homegrown thing, but like a standard, let's say applicant tracking system, you know, you fill out your name, you upload your resume, you put in a cover letter if you want to, I guess, and you answer those questions. Um, so what happens is then it goes into the system and um, what I've, I learned, which I find really interesting, and we've all experienced this where you upload your resume and then like it doesn't fill out the form fields and then you have to like retype all that stuff. Um, I get the broken technology of why that's working because like our system doesn't ask you to refill it out. But what happens is then I get your resume and it's like all the fields are blank. And so I can't, when I go into our system and I'm searching for UX designer, you're not going to show up because Uh. like nothing was filled out. Well, and uh, some, sometimes they go through a filter, like an actual filter stage too, where like a human hasn't even looked at it and you just get filtered out if you don't have certain keywords. I've I've seen an applicant tracking system that did at least that where they were, you know, it's always like, oh, AI can tell if I'm like, oh God, yeah. this is going to no, be a yeah, disaster. So, yeah. Yeah. So we definitely have, I mean, our system doesn't do that, but I've, I've seen those systems mm-hmm. as well. And then there's also the ones that ask you questions. And then if you don't answer the right answer to the question, you're automatically rejected. Um, but yeah, as far as the keywords, so like what happens if like the ATS doesn't catch that you have those keywords in your resume, um, you're just, you're, you don't even show up. Like as a recruiter, if I go to that job, I don't see you. You're just not there. This is one of those weird things where having now seen a whole bunch of resumes come through these things, um, I just want to throw out a, a sincere um, request for people keep your resumes as goddamn text simple as you possibly can like all the designers who want to do something beautiful and it's on colored paper and it's got different fonts and da 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 the applicant tracking system will mess that up 99 t- times out of 100 and you literally will not show up in like you will be filtered out like and yes. your stuff won't show up to, to people like Julia who are just trying to as quickly as possible go through and see could this person do this job? Like, yes. I don't know. Cause it all turned into, you know, Unicode Super. garbage in the, yeah, yeah. In the parser. Yeah. 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 A useful, a useful tip. Yeah. I mean, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. So I know it sounds painful to some designers, but just mm-hmm. a simple one column, <laughs> Google word, whatever processing doc you use, please yeah. don't use Figma. Oh God! Find your resume or your cover letter, yeah. but it needs to be a text-based document. It can be a PDF or a doc, single column, bold text, and like bullet points, and that's it. Think of it this way: you are designing for a machine. Yes, 
Like yes. that, the machine is your first user and potentially the most important one because the machine is what is going to keep you from getting that job. So I, that is like just super useful information. Um, we're getting close to the end. I, I, I want to, you know, I want to keep this to a reasonable time, although I could talk about this stuff for hours and maybe we'll speak again on a, on a future podcast. Um, what's the hardest thing for you about, about hiring? What's, what's the hardest thing about this? About hiring or recruiting? Either one. You pick. Up to you. Um, for me, as far as recruiting is, um, so I talk, you know, I talk to multiple people for a role. I probably talk to like 20 or 30 people for like one role. And then having to go back and be like, sorry, you didn't get this is like really... When maybe all 20 of them could have been totally qualified. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I found it really hard. And then, um, yeah, I guess um, just having hiring managers who, like, have unreasonable expectations is difficult as well. Yeah. No, we're the worst. Most of us. That's fine. Yeah. On, and on that note, that is all the time that we have for today. Um, I, Julia, I just I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, I also want to thank all of you out there for listening. And I, I want to wish everybody the best of luck with, with your own search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee, whatever it is, whatever it is you're looking for, I am rooting for you. <laughs>